You're listening to The Bookstack with Annie, Nia, and Sydney. Hi, friends, and welcome to the 15th chapter of The Bookstack. I'm Nia. I'm Annie. And I'm Sydney. There's something powerful and magical about Halloween. It's a time of year when we're on the cusp of seasons. The harvest of the summer is ending, and the weather is turning colder-ish, at least in the Northern Hemisphere. (laughs) It's getting colder. It is. It's still Um, hot, but it's getting colder. We're not in triple digits anymore. No, we are not. (laughs) And anywhere in the country. Yep. It's a liminal time when the world is a little less defined and is a little more mysterious. For centuries, this has been recognized as a time when ghosts roam and the shadows seem more alive. So settle in, my friends, for today's Halloween special. And perhaps you'll find your next spine-tingling tale to keep you wondering what just went bump in the night. So Annie, what do you have for us today? I went super dark. So get ready. I don't usually read super dark books, but I have really gotten into this idea of dark Halloween. By super dark, do you mean that book that you talked about with the rats? Because yeah, and all the trigger warnings. (laughs) That was that was super dark. They got darker than I was expecting. (laughs) Oh Oh, no. But I'm kind of into it now. I think I can only read Halloween books in the fall and then put them away. But there's been a couple of times where my audiobooks have turned on in the car and my husband has not been happy because he's (laughs) been questioning, what are you reading? (laughs) Nothing. Nothing, Max. It's not weird. I promise. It's just super dark Halloween. So Um, get ready for this. (laughs) That happened with both one of mine too, but um, I'm okay. Here we go. Rock and roll. Again, Buckle up. They, they were a lot darker than I was expecting, but I got really into it. Yeah. So the first one I read is The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires by Grady Hendrix. I've wanted to read this one for a while. I just haven't until recently. It was published in 2020. And Grady Hendrix has written several horror books. Like these are true horror. Uh, he wrote My Best Friend's Exorcism that I haven't read. Uh, he wrote Horror Store, which is like the haunting of an Ikea, essentially. <laughs> oh, that's this guy. Yeah. I've heard that one's fantastic. You know, they're really good, but super dark. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Horror Store, I think it's turning, it's getting adapted to Netflix or Amazon or something. But that okay. one I was reading through and thought, okay, okay. And then there's a suicide and some other things. And I thought, "Mm, maybe not, maybe this isn't for me. I like the idea, but all the triggers. Okay. And and, yeah, no, and this uh, one's the same. I mean, there there's slate, not slave. Well, yeah, I think there's a little bit of slavery talk and I don't know the right term for this. So please correct me, but scapegoating onto a black person okay oh like something happens in the town and no one wants to take the blame and so they put it on a black person and they all go this happened in you know like the 1800s or 1700s Mm, no early 1900s and the town go you just rallies against this guy and there ends up being a lynching oh yeah this book covers a lot okay So there's that, and then there's child violence, and then there's sexual violence. And I mean, it's just got every single thing you can think of. It's like a smorgasbord of awful. It really is. But I kept going. 
So the horror isn't just the supernatural stuff. It's not. No, no, no. It's everything. And then there's also more mundane things. Like there's divorce in the book and there's cremation. Like there's just an animal death. Like there's just everything. Okay. Do you feel like, do you feel like because it doesn't just have the supernatural that is the big bad in the book, that it's kind of making the point that it evil doesn't come in one form or that like monsters that, like, or, they, or people really like the monsters people are, are monsters yeah that thanks for helping me with that thought nia that's interesting but no okay i think it's more and i hope i'm answering your question but i think it's more of a discussion on society if that makes any sense like society is what like the evils of society or no not the evils of society just i can't think of the right words so i'm gonna move on okay sorry it it might come to me later okay Okay. so the southern book club's guide to slaying vampires is a thick book and it is complex it covers a lot i think it was like an 18 hour audiobook oh okay yeah it's a lot it's it's hefty and it covers a lot so i'm going to give you the premise and i a lot of information is missing because it's easier to just answer questions than Mm -hmm. to give everything okay so like i said there's all the trigger warnings there's rat stuff there's child stuff there's vampire stuff there's sexual stuff there's bug stuff there's attic stuff there's everything wait attic like like a drug attic or like attic like you oh, go sorry. up into the attic no and like you're, you're up like, in oh, the look, attic. mummies like no like up in the attic uh, okay there is body chopping up i mean there's everything <laughs> this book now that i think about it there's more than i even thought so The premise is that this group of women in the 90s, they have a book club in a southern state. I honestly can't remember where it is. It's not Texas. That's all that matters to you, right? That's all that matters. But it's southern. violence doesn't happen in Texas. Right? Texas Chainsaw Massacre didn't happen, right? (laughs) Anyway, it's in the south in the 90s. All the housewives have gotten together and they have a book club. And they read true crime books like Helter Skelter and Truman Capote. And they just read all these books and then talk about him. And then something starts happening in their town and their husbands say, it's because of the books that you're reading. You're reading these books. And so you are manifesting this into truth. Hmm. And some kids start going missing in the predominantly black area of town. And so the book club, one of the women, Patricia, starts you know, talking to these women saying, we need to make something happen. Like children are going missing. We need to make something happen. And they kind of dismiss her because it's the black side of town. It hasn't attacked. It hasn't not attacked, but it hasn't entered our world yet. And then it starts to enter their world. And she says, okay, remember how you dismissed when it wasn't happening to you? It's now happening to you. And we need to fix this. So at the beginning of the book. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot. At the beginning of the book, Patricia gets attacked by her neighbor, in her front yard and her neighbor bites off her earlobe okay she got tysoned <laughs> yes she got tysoned by an old like 90 something year old woman she got tysoned in the middle of the night yes wow Mia, i appreciate that you <laughs> made that horrific minute. visual very it took humorous. me a minute there it took me a minute and throughout the book, they talk about how she's missing an earlobe and people are like, oh, it doesn't look that bad. And she says, guys, this is weird. This, people don't attack you and bite off your earlobe. And then the old lady dies 
and her nephew moves into the house and weird things start happening when her nephew moves in. So it's not the books. It's the nephew or the house. I'm not going to (laughs) blame. I just don't want to blame books. Books are not the problem. No. Unless it's like an ancient incantation and you weren't supposed to open the book. It's not. No, no, that is not what happens. Okay. And this, they're a being a dark, dark side of the world being enters into their world. And this dark being can control the bugs and the bats and the rats. And I'm assuming because of the title that the dark being is a vampire. Yes. I'm so good at But that's fair. That's unclear as to what it is. Until about until halfway through the book. Yeah. Okay. So- Violent things are happening to people and they don't know why. Because the way, if it is a vampire, the way that this vampire is attacking people is not the typical bite that you would expect. So there's not two fang marks in the neck? No. I mean, this- Which is why people are saying maybe it can't be that. It cannot be a vampire because that, that's not what you would see happening. And Savage, the old lady that attacked you, just did that. She mm-hmm. just did it. She couldn't have been a vampire because you would have had these markings. Right. Clearly. And no one's glittering in the sun. So obviously and no one's it glittering can't be a in vampire. The sun. <laughs> true. And then the oh my gosh. And then the person that they think is the vampire, maybe, or the child molester, or the home wrecker, or whatever, also enters business deals with people. So they're like you like do Lucifer. Yeah. And goes out during the day and like gets on flights to Miami and stuff. Oh, this the devil lives so in much Miami. Here. This makes so much sense. There is so much in this That's book. what the problem with Florida is. Oh, gosh. <sighs> Guys, we've solved it. We've solved uh-huh. the problem. We solved Florida. Someday yeah. we'll solve Texas. Someday we'll solve Utah. Someday we'll solve Maryland. We started with Florida. We got to start somewhere. I mean, at least we yeah. started in one corner, right? Now we can mm-hmm. work our way up and over. Someday we'll get to Washington, where the vampires glitter. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yep. Very nicely done. Brought it that back. Was, See how I did that? That was, was a, brilliant. That was a great callback. If Loved you it. do choose to read the Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires, I wouldn't be surprised if readers close this one and never come back. Unless they're really big into like high-octane horror. Yes, it is right? high-octane horror. Mm-hmm. And very graphic. So it's like it. Because it's pretty graphic. I don't know. Yeah. I couldn't finish it. No? No. What didn't... What... The reason I would have stopped this one isn't because of the graphic horror. More the triggers. Mm. Like, oh, there are certain fair. things I cannot handle. Yeah, that makes sense. It, it wasn't the, the blood, gore. That wasn't what I couldn't handle. It was other things. Mm. Well, with the like I don't know a bug climbing listed. into someone's ear and not wanting that that's where I mm. gotcha okay that's good to know I love Grady Hendrix books I love the idea of them I think the premises are really good but when I get into them I sometimes have to stop and with a book that big yes I mean, that's a lot it's a yeah. lot so my goal was to go and read all of the backlist of Grady Hendrix, but I don't think I'm going to do that. I think Fair. I need to do more homework into the title before I open it. I, that's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. Like with Horror Store, I need to, it looks really good. I really like the premise of a haunted Ikea. 
you know, people stuck in the store for 24 hours, what's going to happen. But then upon more research, I realized maybe this isn't for me. Yeah. Maybe not. And that's okay. Not every book from an author you like has to be for you. Absolutely. And that's what I need to do. But everyone should read the final girl support group. Everyone in the world because that's an amazing book. Okay. Do you have any questions about the book clubs guide? I feel like I lo- left quite a few holes. I feel like you kind of have to without giving away the plot. Yes. I think you do. I think that okay. if we ask any more, it's going to start digging just... into some answers that people aren't okay. supposed to get to yet. Yeah. We if you like horror, country. pick up this book. If you can't handle stuff, don't pick up this book. Because <laughs> there's Fair a lot. Cool. There's a lot. So the second book that I read recently again I just got into horror is titled The Taking of Jake Livingston and it's by Ryan Douglas it's published in 2021 and when I picked up this book I didn't realize that it was published by Scholastic which isn't a publisher that typically does horror yeah I was really surprised by that one if you don't remember Scholastic they're the ones that send the mailers home at the elementary school yeah they do the book fairs yeah they do the book fairs so this that was surprising to me that it's published by Scholastic uh, it is hardcore young adults. And one of the things that I have a problem with is bad things happening between, you know, an older person preying on a younger person. I do okay when it's peers preying on peers. I know that sounds awful, but this is Halloween. <laughs> well, I mean, if it's a peer, it's one thing. If, if it's an adult, it's more predatory. Right. And mm-hmm. I don't see it as being predatory. And so this one is two peers. Okay. Okay. So the taking of Jake Livingston is a body being inhabited by someone, a demon of the same age. Oh, and so they're both teenagers. And so they both think similarly and they both do dumb things, which I kind of like to see because, you know, being a teenager is a very specific time in your life where you do really dumb things. Mm -hmm. And I think the author Ryan Douglas did a good job of making both the demon and the living both do dumb teenager things at the same time. So that was kind of fun to read. But the story here is that Jake Livingston can see people's death loops, which is like the five, 10 seconds in which they actually died. So at the beginning of the book, there's a scene where Jake Livingston goes to a boarding school and several years ago, hundred years ago, maybe, maybe less, someone died by a javelin going through their head. Oh, fun. Yeah. And so he sees... Oh, it was the 1980s because he talks about the short shorts and how those wouldn't be <laughs> allowed today because it was a guy in short shorts. It was very like 80s, 70s, you know, 60s. And so he sees a ghost get struck by a javelin over and over and over and over again. Terrifying. Traumatic. It's traumatic. These people all died in traumatic ways. And he's the only person that can see these death loops. And it's very frustrating to him that he can't go through his day without seeing death loops. You know, he's in his English class and he can't get through it without seeing the bus wreck happen outside over and over and over and over again. It makes it very hard to concentrate. I'm sure. And normally these things stay just to Jake, but then there is a ghost on the other side that starts to be able to interact with the living world. And so things start showing up in his house. There's blood on the walls. His textbooks start getting blood on them and weird things are written in them and people can see what's going on Mm. 
And so he starts to freak out. People around him start to freak out. They think that Jake is doing weird things when he's not. He's just a confused teenager who has no idea what's going on. And then he finds out that there was a school shooting that happened nearby his school a few years earlier. And the school shooter is then trying to take over Jake's life. Wow. So trigger warning right there. Yeah. Yeah. That's a heavy book. But it's by Scholastic, so it's only like 250 pages. (laughs) How do you get through that in 250? Never mind. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. You don't need to know. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. So it's a very heavy book, but also very surface. I feel like as someone in education, that that would be hard to read about a school shooter. Mm-hmm. it was and there's some like there's a specific because i don't scene. think i could do it there's a specific scene where he is in a locker with a ghost because her death loop was in a locker okay but surprisingly it wasn't hard for me a lot of times those are mm-hmm. yeah as an educator but this one for some reason wasn't do you think it's i think it's just because of how because it was like 250 pages i think it's because of how it was resolved and okay. i also think the school shooting death loops were a very very big part of jake livingston's growth and the resolution and everything and maybe this is my issue but it kind of gave closure to the school shooting within the community and for jake living like everybody got closure on it which Mm -hmm. i know you don't ever get closure from that but i think it was dealt with well in this book okay Hmm. okay also he's black and goes to a white school so there's that going on too i read some heavy stuff in october yeah you did (laughs) i got really really into horror you just went for it i also watched a lot of sheriff callie's wild west on disney plus we need disney to offset that my son got really into the peanuts movie on disney plus so that was my october all right welcome rock on all right nia where are you gonna take us (laughs) <laughs> i think you and i switched places because <laughs> both of mine are not adult books which is kind of wild because that's usually all i read yeah it and is. usually i don't yeah so um my first one is Coraline by neil oh, gaiman it's a good one it is such a good one it's really so short. creepy it's so very creepy. creepy it's 176 pages it's a three-hour audiobook uh-huh. it's really short but it's a really really good story it came out in 2006 and was made into a movie in like a stop animation movie in 2009 which I actually saw the movie before i read the book me too and they're relatively close are so they? yeah the main plot points are are intact the book is creepier the book really? is creepier yeah yeah oh. and I, I saw the trailer for the movie and went nope the movie is really good i love the movie i like the book um, too like it it does yeah the, the movie's really good if you haven't seen it, i do recommend it but then and the book is awesome so i there were two different audio versions i picked the one where neil diamond reads it because he has because a lovely voice author. He, I, yeah. all of the yeah. audio of his i've done have been by him but there is a full cast option for the curious for to celebrate its 20 year anniversary Oh, cool. So if that's more your your jam. But despite it being read by Neil Gaiman, they did have, I don't know how they did this, but they have the rats because they're, you know, in so let me get the premise down here. You have <laughs> you have a, a young girl and her parents who've moved into this giant house that has been broken up into apartments. And in the basement apartment, you have 
the two, you know, daughtering sisters that used to be really famous actresses in their day. And you aren't sure how much of that is in their head versus how much of it was real. But there's references to old theater posters up in their apartment of these beautiful women. And maybe that's them. They they don't go too much into the description. So you're not 100% sure. And they have all these little Scotty dogs to keep them company. And then in the upstairs apartment is the crazy old man is what Coraline calls him for most of the book because she doesn't get his name for most of the book. You find out his name earlier in the movie, but in the book, he's just the crazy old man upstairs whose apartment smells kind of funky, like weird cheese and quote, ethnic foods. And he is training a mouse circus. <laughs> so I think- the He sounds like a fun neighbor. Yeah, right. And Coraline is a kid that doesn't like recipes. She doesn't like things with herbs and spices and oh, goodness. she doesn't do those things. So when she says it smells funny, I could absolutely picture, you know, a, a seven or eight year old being like, ew, you put green stuff on there. And you're like, yes, that is called basil and it's supposed to be there. <laughs> so I like, I'm reading this as a mom too going, oh yeah, that's, that's a young kid being like, ew, you made a recipe. I don't want that. So they move into this this house and you know there's it's got big open grounds there's an empty apartment next to them that has been that's that's uninhabited they're still trying to find someone to live there and there's like old tennis courts and of course you know the old ladies downstairs tell her make sure you avoid the old well that's outside of the tennis courts because if you fall in there we'll never find you so it, all good horror elements have something like that. I mean, let's look yes. at the ring that was really popular with a well and a whole bunch of other you know premises with that. So that's where she is and she's trying to explore, but then it rains and she's stuck inside and her parents both work from home and they're both busy. And her father's like, she was one bored. And he says, well, go around the house then. And here's a piece of paper and count all the windows and the doors. So there are 21 windows and 14 doors. 13 of the doors work oh yeah (laughs) 13 of the doors open and close but the 14th is locked and is in a random wall and her mother finds this very old black iron key and goes well it doesn't go anywhere look i'll show you and unlocks the door and it's a brick wall but she doesn't lock the door why would she it's a brick wall it's a brick wall because then we wouldn't have a story right And then when Coraline goes back through that, because this all happens relatively quick in the book, she finds the other house with her other mother. It's her mother, but with button eyes. Another father, who's her father with button eyes. And the mice are not mice, they're rats. And there are two points. I think it's just two points. You hear the rats sing right out of the gate in the audiobook. And I don't know what they did to the audio for those, but it made the hair on the back of my neck stand up. Ooh. Oh. And later in the book, when she hears the rat singing again, I'm sitting in the car with my toddler thinking, this is a kid's book. Surely this is safe to listen to. And the rat started singing and we were, we were parked and I paused it and I looked around and she had great big eyes. And I said, was that scary? And she goes, yeah, scary. Okay. Mommy's going to put something else on. So I switched it back to listening to one of the murder bot books, because those are just something I could pull up quick. (laughs) And I'm like, this is a safer book to listen to than Coraline with my toddler. Got it. So (laughs) yeah, it's so sad. So bad, (laughs) but she, she's recovered. We're good now. So I, 
This is a really, really good book though. It's a really quick read or a really quick listen, unless you're avoiding small children while you're listening to it. And then it's um, longer. And then it's You said longer. it's what, a three hour listen? Yeah, it's about three hours. Yeah, okay. So, and it's amazing because when you're, I'm listening to it going, wow, oh, I've got two hours left. So much happens. So like, it's just jam packed, really tight, really well done because it's Neil Diamond. Let's be honest. He's a very gifted storyteller. So that's my first one. Highly recommend it. Read the book, watch the movie. It's, it's delightful. Have um, you listened to the full cast audiobook that just I have came not. out? I have not. So I think I'll try to listen to that one. I listened to a sample and it wasn't mm-hmm. jiving with me, but that could oh, just be, it okay. pops you into chapter five with that one to listen oh. to that three minute sample, which is a little weird. Mm. So especially pop, in a book yeah. that's that fast, if you're yeah. popping into chapter five, you're missing a good chunk. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So my second one is a young adult book. It is really new. It's called Nothing But Blackened Teeth by Cassandra Kaw. It came out in October of 2021. So it's it's new. Not brand yeah. new, but it's new. You guys are all picking new, new books. I mentioned this one as a currently reading a little uh, while back. That's, okay. That's where we've heard that title. Okay. okay yep. Keep going. It is think gothic noir with Japanese folklore. Okay. So very interesting. Yeah. It got slammed pretty hard on Goodreads because people didn't quite get it. And I think the problem is if you have very Western folklore background, but you aren't global about folklore, it might be a little weird and you might not get it. So I'm going to read what the the blurb is because I think it gives it a really nice tight summation of what we're talking about. And then I'll go into it just a little bit more without too many spoilers or any spoilers. I'm going to try for no spoilers. (laughs) So it's A high-end era mansion stands abandoned, its foundations resting on the bones of a bride and the walls packed with the remains of girls sacrificed to keep her company. It's the perfect wedding venue for a group of thrill-seeking friends, but a night of food, drinks, and games quickly spirals into a nightmare, for lurking in the shadows is the ghost bride with a black smile and a hungry heart. And she gets lonely down there in the dirt. I'm so creeped out right now. But I kind of want to read it. I (laughs) want to know what happens. but I don't know if I can handle reading it. None of those are my triggers. I am a wuss. (laughs) But Um, there's no, there's no rats, which I can handle now. There are no rats. I did not mention rats. It sounds like there's no child gaping faces. So I could, mm. yeah, everyone is an adult, okay. maybe young adult, like early yeah. 20s. It's young adult. It's they're not adults. There's no kids. Okay. So maybe I can't handle it. They're trespassing. <laughs> you find that out right out of the gate. They are trespassing. Who, they are not even supposed to be there. Who's trespassing? These kids. The, okay. The group of thrill seeking friends. Yes. Got it. Not so no one be... knows that they are there if something happens. Yes. Oh, goodness bum, gracious. Bum, bum. Do yeah. they have cell phones? They do. Okay. So this is happening this is now. This, yeah, is this is more contemporary. Modern. Okay. Yeah. So the cover, I can show you guys the cover if you want to see it. It is a very creepy cover. You have <laughs> a ghost with long claws <laughs> and a white wedding kimono. <laughs> Sydney does not want to see the cover. Do you want me to stop? But she's also hiding. I'm not gonna show so you the picture. I can see it. I'm just hiding okay. my face. You could show you could show okay. Annie. See, I can see it, but Sydney can't because she's hiding her face. I know my limits. That's fair. Apparently, mine have changed. So let's do this. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> okay. So that's the cover. And I'm gonna describe it too. You have okay. 
you have a ghost it's not quite completely corporeal on the cover wild black hair going every which way long like claw ending fingers white kimono style wedding dress go like ghostly bone white face no eyes no nose and a red mouth with teeth and that is the cover it's okay i'm looking at it right now so but a lot of it you go back and forth and with the narrator it's very is this really haunted or Mm -hmm. is this people being, you know, disrespectful or how much of this is them joking with it? You have a lot of interpersonal strife going on because they're friends, but some of them are quote friends. Some of them are frenemies. And there is some joking about the horror tropes like, oh yeah, that one guy is going to be fine because, you know, he's the blonde jock. He'll be fine. He'll survive this. We're but not you because you're wearing a red shirt. Yeah, we're the ones that usually <laughs> the ones that die first. We should leave now before this gets worse. Like there are blonde girls always everything's fine end. if we split up. Uh-huh. Right. So they joke about the horror tropes, like they know they're in a horror story, but maybe they don't know they're in a horror story. So okay. there's some humor to break it up too. The cover um, looks super creepy. Yeah. It's the more you're creepy. talking about it, the more I think I could handle that. That sounds okay. See, the problem with Nia is that (laughs) she's really good at salesmanship she can sell a penguin ice so the problem is that nia makes it sound really really good it is really good yeah i'm sure you think it is it is but that doesn't mean it's not creepy and disturbing so i just i have to recognize that you are really good at convincing (laughs) me to do things And then I'm like, I don't know, you're not. But sometimes that comfort zone gets pushed a little far because I'm like, I don't like horror, but it sounds interesting, but I don't like horror. But Nia said it was good. (laughs) This this book's 128 pages. It's super short. Oh, it's yeah. a very tiny little book. That's really short. It is short. And I listened to this one too, which I went into that going, is this a good idea? Maybe yes. I shouldn't listen to this one. No, it was a good idea. But I listened to it on headphones right out of the gate. I'm like, we're just not even going to go there. So <laughs> No traumatizing the toddler. Yeah. I think but I'm going to have yeah. to pick that one up. I, Next I October. Yeah. Next October. There you go. We're, we're done with horror for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. This, this is a short one. I, yeah. It's okay. a very, very like short, concise, creepy ghost story. And I think trigger warnings, I don't. There's some mean girl stuff that goes on just a little bit that's not supernatural. So you have that going on. You've well, got a young adult. Yeah. But someone does die. I'm going to, I'm going to just throw that out there. Someone does die. So okay. tell me it's the blonde jock. No, it's the red shirt. She's not going to see it. She's word. not going to tell us. <laughs> no, but I'm going to warn somebody, warn you that someone does die. So <laughs> thank you. Um, yep. I mean, that's the only way that, you know, things are going to go, but they do talk about the actual, the ghost story of, you know, you have the bride and they did go there intentionally to, you know, you have the bride, the, the groom and the bride in this party that are there. You have someone who's going to be the efficient and you have two witnesses. They went there specifically for this and it backfires so badly. Thank you. So that is my second book. If you're looking for short tight horror stories you can do in an afternoon these are it thank you so sydney what do you have so i have a couple (laughs) author friends that write high octane horror and i would love to say that i picked up courtney alameda's shutter or jr johansson's night walker series i did not because i don't (laughs) love horror that's fair halloween as a special like 
I enjoy the idea of Halloween. I don't handle feeling out of control. That's not an emotion I do well with. So I don't go to haunted houses or oh, haunted neither corn do I. mazes. No, no, no. Or no. haunted anything's. Mm-mm. You go to the I, pumpkin patch to pick a pumpkin and have fun yeah. decorating those and eat pumpkin cookies. Or not maybe not eat pumpkin cookies, eat chocolate chip cookies. I mean, you know, yeah. that's that's like my level of Halloween. Like it's the harvest. That's it's the harvesty stuff. I, it's a celebration yeah. of of the autumnal equinox or right right mm-hmm. that's another so, great thing to celebrate in october it is november and september it is it is but so i i did pick two books i did play the game the first one <laughs> i made a comment about how new your guys's books were because my first book was published in 1818 right on. here we go you down the rabbit hole i did i picked mary shelley's frankenstein excellent it's a good one it's a it good is a good one, one. It is good. And because of how infamous it has become, I am not going to talk about the premise. I'm going to talk about why it's both valuable and interesting as a piece of literature. Because I did a deep dive because I used to teach this book. Mm -hmm. Me too. So I did a deep dive into all of the background about it. And there were stuff that I found that I was like, oh, I didn't know that. So that's what I want to talk about today. Awesome. I love the background behind this book. Every time that I teach this book, my students are always surprised at how different it is from the movies that they're used to seeing. Yep. Every time they say, well, what about this? That didn't happen in the movie. What well, was the movie You're made right. in 1818? No. Okay. Source material. Exactly. They're always surprised. So the common background that people tend to know is that this story started as a ghost story competition among her friends. She was 18. She was hanging out with the man who she ended up marrying and some other friends that were known as the Immorals because there was a bit of scandal and premarital sex that occurred. There was. Oh, the horror. Uh I know. So traumatizing. Anyway, it started as a ghost story competition and everyone loved her story. And they were like, you need to expand it and make it a full story, but there's a little bit more to it. It's the first real foray into the genre of science fiction, which makes it a very important novel. It's also gothic horror, so it applies to today's theme, which is why I picked it. <laughs> but it, it is, is just as much science fiction as it is gothic horror. Gothic horror. I agree. I agree. It's equal parts. Mm-hmm. It is written in epistolary voice which I will explain for our listeners momentarily. And this story being written entirely in epistolary voice ended up advancing the writings of the time and pushing forward the premise of what we consider the modern novel. And it made huge leaps into novel writing. There was also a New Yorker article that was written in 2018 that brought some more information that I hadn't previously known about that makes this book actually really personal. We've always heard that writers write what they know. And this book seems so out there that how could it possibly be personal? And it is. Mm-hmm. It always ends up being more personal. Yeah. It just so... takes a couple hundred years for it to come out. <laughs> <laughs> just means she did a good job of hiding it, right? Mm-hmm. So for our listeners who are not familiar with the term epistolary, epistolary voice is the voice of the written word. Now I recognize that all books are written but that doesn't make it all epistolary voice. It's not quite the same. The written word is the voice of a character 
in a letter, a note, an email, a text, so on and so forth, that takes place within the book. It's used as a plot device that tells characters something that they would otherwise not know. Example, you have Pride and Prejudice with Elizabeth, where she learns of her sister's scandal in front of Mr. Darcy, which pushes the plot into him rescuing her family name so that he can convince her to marry him more successfully than his first attempt. This book, however, is written entirely in epistolary voice, where there are, you know, quote unquote chapters, but all of it is just really long letters that are extending the entire length of the novel. The premise is that a woman is receiving these letters from her brother, who is a ship's captain, who is writing her a story of a man they fished out of the sea as he's relaying these escapades to him. And at one point, the man that was fished out of the sea, Dr. Frankenstein, is relaying the monstrous portion of the story that the monster told him that he's wow. telling the captain, who's then writing it to his sister. So it's so a long it's, game of telephone. It's a long game of telephone before telephone was invented. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So across, talk about <laughs> the ocean, across time and space talk okay. about an unreliable narrator seriously many unreliable narrators the the, the series of unreliable mm -hmm. narrators mm -hmm. luckily we don't have books written in epistolary voice anymore but it did really push the bounds of how can you tell an unrealistic story in a way that suspends disbelief and it paved this way for new stories with an even more fantastical premise to be told. So that I was really, like, really important. I like the epistolatory voice, but I'm glad that we have made strides in kind of hiding it a little bit instead of the blatant, here's a letter, here's a letter, here's a letter, here's a letter. Right, right. We've come a long way, but this book was definitely the first foray into how to use epistolary voice to push forward an unbelievable mm -hmm. plot. And it it became a very important plot device that Mary Shelley pioneered kind of pioneered mm -hmm. i also found that this story hit closer to home than i thought it was whenever i had learned about it in school or then taught about it later now if you remember the monster that dr frankenstein creates he was never named despite right. popular culture naming he's, the monster frankenstein he's just the monster yeah. just the monster mm -hmm. and that namelessness of the monster is intentional mary shelley was born mary wollstonecraft named after her mother and she died her mother died 11 days after she was born because of an infection caused by her physician. Ugh. Oh, having so, children in the 1800s. Right. Yep. Physician didn't wash his hands, mm -hmm. went to pull out the afterbirth, stuff on his hands. Infection. Infection. So her father, heartbroken and in mourning, named her the same name as her mother, who had just died, almost like he was trying to bring his wife back from the dead. Mm -hmm. It also renders her without a name of her own, also like she's nameless herself and was a child without a mother. So there's that parental abandonment. Okay. Then she marries Percy Shelley and her name is stitched together from the different people in her life, like her monster's body pieced together from the bodies of others. Lastly, she had four pregnancies just prior to and during the time that the story was being written. And all four infants died in their cribs during the night Man. within a few weeks of birth. Mm -hmm. She was so paranoid about losing her infants so shortly after birth that she didn't name them, any of them. She was a mother without a child and a child without a mother. And that whole story story this is heartbreaking it is like i have chills right now this is heartbreaking back. when she was only I, she was only 18 when she wrote she was 18 too. when the story was written and she was already on her second pregnancy Man. when she started writing the story yeah so she was dealing with the loss of a child and having never had a mother to turn to about this and she would often have dreams that the children would be crying for her they would have come back to life in her dreams and were crying for her and it was part of what sparked the idea for her story so the theme and motif that's taught so heavily in school of the dangers of playing God and these, these societal and parental abandonments all stems from her own 
personal experiences. You know, this is a science fiction book, right? It's right. a horror book, taking body parts, piecing them together to form a new person. And mm -hmm. so that might not have happened in her life. That would have been a right. pretty fantastical thing to have happened. But, but it's pretty amazing that she was able to distance herself so much from those things, but also still weave them in well, you to the deeper you, themes of this book. You had what was going on with her life. And then you had globally, it was the year without a summer because of a massive volcanic eruption. So it was cold and wet and dreary. I didn't know and that. then you also had, they were doing experiments Mm -hmm. to bring people back. They were testing to see what caused like our hands to move. Was it an electronic impulse or was it something else? And so they were actually testing frog limbs to see if they would respond to electrical current. So you had that going on globally as well as her own personal stuff. And then you have it, the perfect Gothic setting of the weather being like, who needs the sun right now? In the Seasonal middle. depression isn't a thing. Right? So you had like, this is, if you could have had the most perfect time to spark this story, it was right then. So anyway, that's my first story. Thank you. Hopefully I brought a new light or a new perspective to the story and makes you want to read it again. My second pick is called Splintered. It's by A.G. Howard. It was published in 2013 and it's a gothic version of Alice in Wonderland. Yes. And it's it's really quite fun while still being dark, but not so dark that I couldn't handle it because as we have recognized throughout the entirety <laughs> of this recording, I am a wuss. You're not a wuss. You're not a wuss. We're all I about just, our likes and dislikes. And if you you're don't an do adult, horror, you don't do horror. Very, you know what you like and what you don't. And that is a good thing. Yes. I, I don't mind things being dark. I just don't like being scared. Fair. So this is dark without being scary. I imagine okay. that this book would be the brainchild if Tim Burton wrote YA fantasy novels. Like this <laughs> is what would come out of it. Okay. okay. Right on. Sure. So Here we go. The, the premise is that you have the main heroine. Alyssa Gardner, and she can hear bugs and flowers whispering. That has and, loud. and she is terrified of it because it's what landed her mom in the mental hospital because they assumed it was schizophrenia. Sure. Like you do, because we should not be able to hear bugs and flowers whisper. That's not normal. That mm -hmm. is not. But there is a family curse that stretches clear back to her ancestor, Alice Liddell, the real life inspiration for Lewis Carroll's Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. And she might be crazy, but she's managing to keep it together by basically pretending like it's not happening happening and not letting anyone else know about it because that's healthy to hold everything Aww. in right yeah she's barely holding it together isn't she she is Aww. but she's a teenager and we all know that ya makes sure that teenagers know that they are the most powerful beings in the world narcissism is real when you're 14 it's true <laughs> <laughs> it's okay so, it's just the way your brain forms it's fine not a bad it's fine it's fine so her mom's mental health starts taking a turn for the worse and she learns that what she thought was fiction is actually reality, which is what is causing her mom to have a turn for the worse. So her mom Wonderland, is still alive? Her mom is still alive. Her mom is but still in a mental health institution. In it, okay. And Wonderland, the real air quotes Wonderland, is much darker and much twistier than Lewis Carroll actually ever let on. So she gets to Wonderland through a series of events that occur. And while she's there, she has to pass a series of tests, like draining an ocean made of the original Alice's tears, waking the slumbering tea party, and subduing a vicious bandersnatch to fix Alice's mistakes and save her family. 
and she also has to decide whom to trust. Jeb, her gorgeous best friend and secret crush, or the sexy but suspicious Morpheus, her guide through Wonderland and basically the equivalent of Mad Hatter, who has dark motives of his own, and it's very obvious that you shouldn't trust him, but she's like, but he's hot. Uh And so there's this whole love triangle (laughs) thing. Oh boy. (laughs) I really want to read this book. It sounds it's, really fun. It is. It is fun and dark, okay. and it's a series. Okay. Wait, is this is so, this book one? This is book one. Our book. How many books are in the series? Three plus a novella. Are they all Alice in Wonderland? Yeah, they all follow her, wow. and it gets it gets significantly darker as you go. So, like in the okay. second book, she is really into art. She does. She creates mosaics with like little glass pieces. Oh, cool. And in the second book, she is using her blood which she has realized is special nope. and she is using it to color all of the like she's literally just putting a mosaic of just clear glass and then using her blood to color it different colors and her art teacher's like oh i didn't know we had those colors oh my and gosh. she's like oh i took the last ones <laughs> like it gets <laughs> it gets dark as you go wow so, wow wow okay but it's not creepy it's dark but not creepy and How that's is that where my not line creepy? is she's using her own blood because she's not using someone else's (laughs) that doesn't make it not creepy (laughs) if it's less creepy does it (laughs) i like that qualifier but it's still it's okay it's okay no one's running for their lives from a chainsaw hack man Like, I don't fear for my life and I don't have to worry about reading with the lights off. That's my, fair. that's my, that's my qualifier. Yeah, but now I'm worried that's that fair. my art is going to pop off the walls and be somehow enchanted by her. No, it just colors it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to read this though. Thank it you. sounds really good. It does sound really good. I enjoyed them. They were fun. Have you read the whole series? Yeah. And the novella? A while ago. And the novella. I have okay. all of them. Okay. But I, to be fair... I read it when they first came out. Like I have all of them, their original mm-hmm. hardcovers. Mm-hmm. Well, if the first one came out in 2018, the last 13, one, 2013. Oh, 2013. Oh, I heard 2018. Okay. So it has been a little while. Yeah. It's been a hot minute. Okay. Lots of stuff has happened since then. Mm-hmm. Just a bit. I've read additional books since that occurred. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. I hope you didn't just, you know, go on I've a break a- for, I don't know, nine years. <laughs> I did not take a hiatus. yeah okay uh (laughs) hooray now it's time for our trivialities segment so i know i have some trivia questions for annie and sydney and we'll see how we do with them the winner gets bragging rights and the satisfaction of knowing random trivia so are we ready i am ready to lose to annie again right on all right i'm in trivial as to where this is going to go. Not With Mia, dark. you don't know. I'm so ready for this. <laughs> uh, just a reminder, you'll get two points if you can call out the answer without needing options. But if I list multiple choices, you still get one point. Okay. So I feel like I should have a whiteboard that tells our standings. Like, yeah, we probably should be keeping track of that somewhere. We should. <laughs> We're here to change next time. Next time okay. we'll have our point ups, point, or point counts. So... Okay, first question. What were the very first jack-o'-lanterns carved out of? Oh my gosh, I know this. Dang it. I'm assuming it's this. not pumpkins. It's not pumpkins. Do we need do we need multiple choice? Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. A, was it pumpkins? B, was it apples? C, was it turnips? Or D, was it gourds? 
gourds. I feel like it was turnips. Is that your answer? Sure. Then that's the answer. Uh, was it was I- turnips. Yes. I assumed it had potatoes. to have been turnips, yes. but I was, was like, I was stuck on the fact that you use gourds. And I was like, no, but gourds are pumpkins. They're different though. I mean, they're different, squash. but they're the same family. Pumpkins are squash. Oh. A gourd is a completely different. Lufa is a gourd, isn't it? Uh, no. No. Is so. that a vegetable? Might be a vegetable. That's a sea creature, I think. A luva? No. A sponge is a creature. There we go. Yes. No, luva, you can grow yourself oh, in your backyard. I get to know. Yes, I got it right. Coming and back. he's got a point. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Question number two. Why did people start dressing up in Halloween costumes? Oh, I have no idea. Oh, I okay. So in the 19, I want to say 30s, but it was probably closer to the 50s. They started going around and they would do, they would start yelling trick or treat. No, it was the original one was because they were trying to scare away the the demons or they were trying to hide among the demons. Mm. Oh, I'm getting the nose. It was because they were trying to hide among the demons (laughs) because on All Hallows Eve, the veil between worlds is the thinnest. And if you were going to be out on that night, you need to not be prey yourself. You need to not be recognized. You're hiding from the spirits wandering around. Yay! That's Good job, Sydney. Sydney. Bam! I'm ready. Yay. Okay. <laughs> and question three. What other major holiday was telling ghost stories a long-running tradition? Christmas. No, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it would be the winter solstice, right? I'm going with Christmas. Christmas really? It was Christmas. Which it's is Scrooge. why... Yeah, that's it. That's why That was he, my thought. It's that was why he wrote it. It's kind it, of a ghost story, so I'll go with it. It is a ghost story. So that just was kind of of the year, right? Yep. Because it's dark and people told stories. It was a really strong oral tradition. And then eventually it turned into print. And one of the most famous ones is Charles Dickens, A Christmas Carol. So well done. And I had to think fast on my questions because I actually had a Mary Shelley's Frankenstein question (laughs) locked and loaded and had to think fast and switch it to a different one I had, you know, stashed. So I'll hurry and answer that one so I can actually win a week. (laughs) Okay. Uh, the question i will give you guys the question oh i might get it faster here we go is mary shelley's frankenstein was groundbreaking for quite a few reasons but it was not just a gothic horror what genre is shelley credited with creating she she is credited as being the very first science fiction writer yeah so which a lot of frankenstein can go either way Mm -hmm. i really it's a good good blend of both Mm -hmm. but you you have like isaac asimov is credited as being one of the first and he's not or jules verne's it was it was mary shelley Mm -hmm. so right on so there we go go. halloween good job ladies we do (laughs) what a great halloween special this has been it has Ah, so what are we reading right now or picking up next? What have you got, Annie? So I am rereading the final girls support group by Grady Hendrix because my book club is reading that and discussing it. So I'm going to be picking that one up again. And that one, it's just fun. It's super gory. I think it's really gory, but it's a lot more fun than the Southern book club's guide to slaying vampires. Okay. And then I'm going to be continuing The Cold Vanish, which I brought up last time. Uh, I'm about halfway done with that book. And I'm still enjoying it. It's still really good. It's gotten a little bit faster because I now understand the search and rescue terms, which is helpful. So things are moving a little faster now because I know what POS means. I know what these things mean. I know what POS means too, but it's not a search term. It is not what the same, not the same thing. Okay. It's not. Acronyms are their own language and it varies from place to place. Yes. I feel (laughs) like it's point of or possibility of 
searchability, something like that. Okay. Yeah. So that's what I'm reading. Nia, what are you reading? I am picking up the Johnstown Flood by David McCullough. It is a historical nonfiction talking about Johnstown, Pennsylvania. In 1889, it was having a regular old day when a er, old earthen dam that was not built properly and was told (laughs) it was not a great dam broke and flooded the town with a devastating flood. So maybe not a happy- David McCullough is a really great historical writer. Yeah. Why do I know that name? Uh, He's written quite a few historical. Has he? I, I think 1776. That's probably yeah, what that's it. Okay, so, thank you. Yep. So that is on my list. I found it when I was rebooting. I got a, a, a new Kobo and was getting stuff loaded on it and found this one in one of my hidden in my caliber library. And I went, oh, I haven't read that yet. I should bust that out. So <laughs> that is what I am going to be reading. Uh, Sydney, what about you? So I had a reading binge last week. I read four books last week. Oh, wow. Sounds like a great week. Which <laughs> I'm jealous. I, I don't think I've ever done that since I was like in grade school and had really small books. Uh, I've done um, that. It was an old job, but it's been a long time. I I don't know how I, it was a lot of audiobooks, and I was doing them all simultaneously. But so I realized last week I had went to pick up Conference of the Birds, which I started last season yeah. and realized as I started it that I didn't know what was happening because I had oh. missed a book. Oh, no. Oh, I've done that. Oh, yeah. no. I thought I was on book five. I was not. I was on book four. <laughs> And so I uh, I went and started reading book four of Miss Peregrine's Peculiar Home for Children, which is called Map of Days by Ransom Riggs. And all of his books are quite big, but the audiobooks are really fast to get through. They're like they? nine hour audiobooks. Oh, wow. And they're... you listen at like 1.75 speed and you just kind of blow through it. I think the books look bigger because of the font in the pictures. Yeah, a lot of pictures. So, that's right. There are yeah. pictures in there. But it's it's a really well-written story that book four actually ends on a cliffhanger. And so then I was like, well, now I have to pick up book five. So I am now <laughs> picking up Conference of the Birds again, but really for the first time because <laughs> now, now I know what's on. happening. <laughs> <laughs> and that's and... not a series that you can really jump around you really have to go you cannot you really you really have to go in order and then i already have book six so as soon as i finish five i can jump into six which if four to five was any indication five will also have a cliffhanger that leads into six Mm -hmm. the first three did not the first three you could kind of Mm -hmm. pick them up and put them down as you wanted to right the last few not so much so i have six i have no idea if he's putting out more or if the series is over but i am determined to find the end of the story arc yeah, it's been a invested. long series. Yeah. It has taken a really long time to yes. get to this point. Yeah. But I am determined. Hell or high water. <laughs> I shall finish. And we right will on. all be here for you when you do. Yep. Thank you. Well, friends, thanks for listening to this chapter of the book stack. As we sign off, we'd like to leave you with some food for thought, and we'll see you next time for our discussion of cozy mysteries from our stacks. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter at Bookstack Trio and follow us at Bookstack Trio on Instagram and Facebook to see a full listing of the books mentioned in our stacks. If you read a book from this stack, let us know what you thought on social media. You can also find us at our website at bookstacktrio.com. There is something at work in my soul, which I do not understand. Mary Shelley, Frankenstein.